Hi, everybody. Jose Palomino here with another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And what we're going to talk about today is something that every owner knows they need, but not every owner takes advantage of, which is finding somebody, finding a resource that can serve as a sounding board for you as you process the many issues, the many challenges that you face as an owner leader of a business. Uh, are you looking to uh, do a restructuring? Are you looking to actually sell your business or buy a business? And you can't always process it when it's a kind of a rough idea with your own team because you could actually get people turned sideways on that. So you need some outside people. And most of you listening probably have that at some point. But our guest today, Phil Fraser, is an expert at doing this because he's actually lived the journey of a business owner leading to a successful exit. And his focus now is on being a business sounding board for owners in the SME category. So listen closely as Phil joins Business Growth on Purpose right now. Welcome, Phil, to Business Growth on Purpose. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me on board. Well, well, Phil, uh, just for our audience, a little context, uh, what do you do and who do you do it for? Okay, so I am a business sounding board. Think sort of halfway between a business mentor and a business coach. And I help um, SME businesses with all those sort of things that you need help with as, as a business owner. It's very, you know, it can be lonely at the top. And I'm there to assist people to be a sounding board, to listen and to discuss those things that maybe you can't discuss with your team. Okay, well, well, I'm just curious, how did you get into that, Phil? Okay, so uh, I had 15 years working in various advertising and marketing roles, uh, set up a business back in 2000. 18 years later, we sold it to a public company. So I've been through the whole startup, growth, um, sale, uh, business story with all the blood, sweat and tears uh, in between and all the scars as well. So I, I think I've got the experience that, that that people I'm dealing with now, I've been there and been in their shoes. Wow. So that's, that's right. So you're not looking at this as a, this is not purely theoretical for you. You've lived the dream <laughs> as well. Yeah. Or the and nightmare. The, the, dream, the dream and the nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, Phil, you, uh, you're based in the UK. I'm just curious, is most of your, especially now that we're like in the whole world of Zoom, is, is your clientele, international is it mostly local kind of curious uh it's at the moment it's local um i think people still need to see you know to see the whites of your eyes as they say okay. uh, but that's not to say there's no reason why i can't do this internationally and um you know you're based in the us i've been on podcasts in australia new zealand i can do this you know theoretically anywhere Right, right. As long, right. And especially people, what, what's interesting is everybody's gotten used to being on this kind of a, like what we're doing right now on a Zoom call or a Teams call or something like that. So, and that happened really quickly, like over, you know, in the, in the space of three months, whether you liked it before or not, you were using it now. Um, so, so here's a, here's a kind of thinking about this idea of a, a, a sounding board. And you said it's kind of between a mentor on the one hand, and what was the other dimension? And a coach. And a coach. So could you expand that a little bit, like those distinctions there? I think that they're important. Okay, okay. So um, I I try to use this as an example in the sporting scenario. Okay. 
So uh, let's take uh, let's take a, a hundred meters runner. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you go to college and you're quite good, and then you go, you know, you get in the the American team, but you have a coach that makes you better at being quicker, starting quicker, ending quicker. You know, a coach will teach you a specific skill to a to a better level. Okay. Gotcha. And that's in sport, that's in business. A mentor, I would describe as somebody who's been there and done it, but isn't necessarily the person who's teaching you how to do that skill better. So Carl Lewis, if we take an American sporting icon, as a mentor, could be with you as a a 100 meters runner and say, well, you know, I experienced this and this is what happened with me. And when I had this problem, this is how I dealt with. But that's mentoring you. So that's a been there and done that mentor. Whereas a coach specifically is going to improve a skill. So that's how I that's how I use the difference um, in the sporting analogy. In a business analogy, a coach might be a presentation skills coach or a sales coach or you know all sorts of different business coaches out there. Whereas a mentor is somebody who's been there and done it. And again, in the same scenarios I've just explained. You know, we had, you know, maybe it's uh, raising finances or maybe it's going public or maybe it's, you know, it could be anything. Maybe it's buying a, a competitor or maybe it's selling the business. Somebody as a mentor can sit there and go, well, this is how we did it and I can help you along the path and that sort of thing. So that's that's where I think the two things, that's the comparison I use. Right. And do you, do you also see that the, the mentorship and maybe your sounding board is also delves a little bit into like the inner game, right? So to use your, your, your track runner analogy, you know, one is the skill, like, okay, we let's watch the videotape. You're not coming off the blocks fast enough. You're losing one one hundredth of a second, but that could be, you know, success or failure at the, at the Olympic or world-class level. Uh, but then I could see the Carl Lewis to use that example uh, coming alongside and say, Hey, you had a tough match, but here's how you, you have to shake it off, man, because when that happened to me, I, I then I, I you know I won seven gold medals the next time I competed or something like that. Yeah. So is that that inner game thing? And I guess my question is, as as you start working with like owners of businesses, um, do they have a hard time opening up on what's going on inside? And I don't mean it from a psychoanalytical point of view that they need a therapist, but just how they yeah. feel about owning their business, about the the stress of the last two years. I mean. All of that. I just wonder, does that come up much in in your in in your work? It, it, it's interesting. Um, I use the phrase "it's lonely at the top." It's a phrase we use over here in the UK. I think you use it in in the US as well. Uh, and that's pretty much what I cover. Is you know, you're the boss of the business. Hey, running your own business is great. You've got a freedom and flexibility. You can take it where you want. All those sort of really positive things. But at the same time, they're negatives as well. Because you're the one who makes the call. Mm-hmm. You say, we're going to go for this market. We're going to use, we're going to launch this product. We're going to stop selling this product. We're going to uh, buy the competitor down the street. A lot of those decisions are your, they're your call. You know? And a lot of the time, you haven't necessarily got somebody as a business owner to sit down and talk to and say, look, I'm thinking of doing this. Is this is this a really stupid idea? And that touches on, I think, what you're talking about—the sort of psychoanalytical thing. But I think, and this is what, and I offer this service 
because it's something I needed when I was running the business. We were a husband and wife team, so I'd you know I had my wife as the sounding board, and any any of us who were who were married uh, know that they're always right. No, that's it. <laughs> my idea, insane, <laughs> insane. Her idea, brilliant. <laughs> I'm just joking, but <laughs> in, in, in many business scenarios, the people you go to advice for, um. Either, either consciously or subconsciously, have a bias, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, uh, we'll take some extremes because they're the best way to use examples. Let's say you're thinking of selling the business, okay? And you go to your accountant, mm-hmm. yeah, trusted financial advisor, and you say, hey, I'm thinking of selling the business. Yeah, he or she may well give you very good advice, but actually subconsciously, don't forget, they're also sitting there going, shit, I'm losing a client here. Now, I'm not saying that will be the bias, but it may be. Take another example, take it internally. You know, you tell your sales manager, your sales director, uh, hey, we're thinking of buying a company down the road. Okay. Usually, great business plan, you know, acquisition, lots of people do it. What's your sales manager's first thought if you say to him, hey, hey, Dave, hey, Mary, what do you think? His first thought or her first thought, whether it's true or not, is always going to be shit, the company down the road have got a sales manager. And I'm going to be out the window, okay? Right. So or at least one of us is a 50-50 on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and just by human nature, human right. nature makes you think, shit, it's going to be me. Right. Um, I'm going to be the one to get the boot. So, yeah, there are lots. And, yeah, and, and some of these decisions are big and some of these decisions are small. But it's very, very difficult to get a purely independent view to help you in that loneliness as, as the business owner. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and let's even take uh, another example, which is I think a lot of business owners want to get to the point you got there, which is you're, you're going to sell the business. Mm-hmm. So there's so much that goes into that. There's inner stuff. How do you feel about not going in and being the boss anymore to the actual transaction itself? And, you know, selling your business, as you know, isn't usually a matter of I go to the website and say I'm my business for sale and I sell it tomorrow. It's a, it, it could be a six month. It could be a two year journey. Till you get it booked. So now how do you talk about that to your leadership team without messing up the very thing you're trying to sell? Because it's, 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 it's very, so you need somebody else. And, and I love what you talked about bias. Uh, Simply we're human, right? So we can't, we have bias on everything, everything we hear, everything we process. Now integrity says I, despite my bias, I can still give you good advice. But it doesn't change the fact that as that account and that example you gave, I'm still feeling a little bit like what's going to happen next. It's still there. So, so I love the idea of being a pure sounding board. So um, let's just move a little bit towards the kind of issues that you find that people really appreciate having you to talk to. Like what are, what are the kinds of things that maybe an owner listening to this podcast would say, Hmm, I wonder if that's something I should be processing with, like that impartial third party? Um, I think there's, there's, a, there's a number of different things. I mean, some of it is, 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 is just a very straightforward, hey, Phil, I've got this idea. What do you think? Okay. And, and the way I work is I wouldn't go back to him and say, hey, Jose, I think that's a crap idea. I, I bounce it back and go, okay, tell me why you think it's a good idea. Tell me why you think it's a bad idea. You know, what are the upsides? What are the downsides? You know, verbally, we're probably doing a SWOT analysis. Okay, so very, very in a very simple case, it's just like a sounding, a, a, just a uh, yeah. Do you think this is a good idea? 
In other cases with clients, it's being an accountability partner. So again, the great thing about running your own business is you can do whatever you want, okay? Which often means uh, you end up doing stuff either you shouldn't be doing or stuff you're not very good at that somebody else should be doing and you're treading on people's toes and you're not letting go, you're not delegating, all that sort of thing. So there's, there's two sides to this. Number one is an accountability partner saying, hey, Jose, last, last week we had a meeting, you said you are going to do ABC. Did you do that? Because as the business owner, you think, oh, I don't really want to do that. So I'll, I'll put it aside because nobody else is going to tell me to do it. So there's, there's that side of it. But there's the other side of it is actually somebody prodding and poking you as a business owner and going, you really should not be doing that. It should be the sales manager, the HR manager, the bookkeeper, whatever it might be. I'll give you, I'll give you a very, very good example. I've got a client or had a client who um, runs a, a, a chain of children's nurseries. Okay, so she's got seven or eight of them now. So it's quite a big operation. And she started with one and then just grew. And when we talked, we were talking about some of the tasks she was doing. And she, in her mind, she was still the owner of a children's nursery. In fact, she was the CEO of a five million pound turnover, 150 staff corporation. But she wasn't working as one. So she needed somebody from the outside to say, hey, you're the CEO of a business not a kid's nursery. Um, and then there's just um, people who need the extra advice of, I actually don't know where I'm going. Can you help me? Mm. And again, going back to the example of your team, you know, sit in a team meeting and go, hey, guys, uh, I'm not really sure what we're going to be doing next because, you know, I don't really, you know, I'm making it up as I go along, which a lot of us feel as business owners. And I know I felt that. <laughs> and you can't sit in a team meeting and go, hey, guys, you know, let's toss a coin and see which way we go. Um, and you can hold your hands up as a business owner with somebody like me with a sounding board and go, Phil, I'm, I'm out of my depth here. What, you know, what can I do? Now, often it just needs that, that whole outside looking in. So it's, it's, it's you looking in and going, okay, right. You've got this issue, this issue, this issue. Um, you need to recruit a sales manager. You need to sort out your supply chain. You need to chase your, your debt collecting is not good enough. And they're all, what I found is most businesses have the same problems. So it's a sales problem, a marketing problem, yeah. uh, a, a supply chain problem, a staff issue. They're pretty much the same sort of issues come up again and again and again. But having been there and done it, I can not necessarily give you the answer, but I can say, well, we had something similar happen to us and this is how it played out, but you need to consider X, Y, and Z and, and A, B, and C. And hopefully what will tends to happen when I have meetings with clients is they go away with a clearer idea in their head of how they're going to solve this problem or, or how they're going to get to the next stage. So somebody... Uh... Phil, thinking about, gee, this sounds good. I, I, I kind of like the idea of having someone to talk to. Typically, what kind of time investment? That's the one thing owners, they're not always great time managers, but they always, they can almost always answer, I don't have time for that. So, <laughs> but, and there's some truth to that, but once you get into it, you realize, well, you don't manage, you don't use your time that well, which is why you don't have time for that. But, but typically, realistically, is this something that you would, meet with somebody once a month, once a week, completely ad hoc as needed? What what, what works best or is there no one what, what works best and it's that bad? There, there, there's, there's no one size fits all, but what I 
try to do with clients initially the first the first uh sort of set of meetings would be a monthly face-to-face meeting and a fortnightly in between uh, a phone call okay. okay now the reason i do it like that is because i think unless it's a very very specific problem and it's hey phil i've got this problem i need to solve it i need some help solving it that's you know it's a one-off meeting or two meetings I think what I'm trying to do is is help business owners be better business owners. Mm. Okay? And that takes time. So the first, you know, the first meeting is always going to be okay, what's what are the issues? What are we going to talk about? What are we, you know, what are you Jose, what are you going to go away and look at for the next fortnight? We can then have a phone call and go, well, you know, this has dropped out the bottom of it and then it's as usual, you answer one problem and five other problems appear. So I think a three-month period is probably a minimum for potential clients, for my potential clients, to see some value. Um, And then it's really whatever they want to do after that. I think if somebody said, look, I just want two meetings with you, it would have to be a specific issue. I don't think what I can offer is a a short time frame thing. Gotcha. And, and, and Phil, one thing that I, I have found just in, in almost 20 years working with owners very similar to perhaps the, 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 the category of folks you, you work with, um, very often the number one obstacle or challenge to whatever change or result or outcome they're hoping for is in the mirror. And, and, and they have, you know, classic blind spots. They don't see where they actually create, you know, like there's, you know, I, the culture here is toxic. And when you get, when you start getting in there, you realize, well, <laughs> it's you, I, <laughs> I kind of know why, <laughs> yeah. or, or, you know, the other one I, I've often heard is something along the lines of, uh, you know, why can't my like salespeople go after this the way I did when I started the company, you know, or, or some version of why can't they be more like me? Right. Yep. So I'm just curious, what, what kinds of things have you run into where you had like to say, okay, this is, this is going to require a tough conversation. I think, and I, I, I let me go back to something you just said, actually, um, about the I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to do all these things. I actually wrote a blog, a blog post about this a month ago, about I'm too busy to grow my business. Okay. okay? The, main, the main reason is uh, lack of delegation. That's the main reason. It's here, here give it me, I'll do it. Um, and I think, and again, I used the example previously that, that I can talk to clients because I've been there and done it. Mm. I had um, a consultant came in to see us. Um, and in fact, thinking about it, this is two separate consultants said the same thing at different time periods. And the second time was, Phil, get out of the way of the business. Mm. You are the block in the business. Um, partly, and, and, and the main reason for that was... Um, as with many, many entrepreneurs and many, many business owners, I suffer from shiny new object syndrome. So every Monday morning, I'd come in and go, hey, guys, I've got this great new idea. I've been thinking about it over the weekend. We're going to do this. And then we do it for two weeks. And then I say, hey, guys, what, you know, why is the main business? Why has that not been done? Well, you told me we were doing this shiny new object thing. Oh, no, forget that. That's, that's passe. So it, I was told, get out of the way. And in fact, what this what this consultant recommended was that I set up a separate business for my shiny new objects to live in so that okay. I didn't I didn't get in the way of the main business. 
Um, and yeah, you're right. It's it is not being able to see the problem because not necessarily because you are the problem, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. It's just you know, as you grow as a business, your role sometimes changes. And I, and again, one of the things I talk regularly to to business owners about is, and actually, it's an open ended question. It's an open question to all your listeners now who own businesses. Have you got a roles and responsibilities document Hmm. in the same way that one of your employees would have? Okay. Now, that actually opens a couple of Pandora's boxes. Number one is what actually should you be doing as the business owner? And then what actually should you not be doing as business owner? And then are you doing stuff that's on other people's roles and responsibilities? And they're going, hey, that's, you know, I'm supposed to be doing that. And then, then the business owner, well, I, you know, I've always done that, so I'll carry on doing it. So, you know, often it is the business owner getting in the way, and often it is you needing to tell the business owner that. And, and sometimes they're in the way for, for, for yeah, good reasons, you know, because they want to be, and they want to be hands-on, and they still want to do that. But as your business grows, you know, a startup with half a dozen staff, your role in that business is very different to 20 staff and you know three regional offices it's a very very different role and sometimes business owners don't haven't recognized that and haven't changed well well it's interesting uh because you're you you know you've kind of hit on something which i've seen uh, as a dynamic which is and it's been said probably much better by other people but the the idea of what got you there isn't what's going to keep you there or take you to the next level Absolutely so that right. that that entrepreneurial gumption with somebody's going door to door and you know strapping together agreements and is and and you know it's just like the coffee table business right it starts on the coffee table and that's where it started and like you said also now you got 30 people working for you and you actually have like line of credit with the bank it's a different business and you may not be the best person to navigate that next level of its journey uh, you were a great starter, and a lot of a lot of purely entrepreneurial uh, owners are very good starters, not good operators. So I, you- I to- totally agree. Totally agree. And um, you know, we started our business on a on a kitchen table. Okay, just just the two of us, myself, my wife. Uh, no real business plan, no credit, nothing. You know, the first six dollars we earned was just off the scale. Absolutely amazing. But when we sold. When we sold, you know, we had a team of, we ended up with a team of a dozen people. I had a, a second in command who pretty much ran the business. Um, and that's very different to the, you know, put the kids to bed, right, you know, get get back on sending out invoices and, right. and doing some marketing and, and you know, all that sort of thing. You're absolutely right. And people sometimes, as business owners, don't recognize that. Right. And, well, and they need, again, going back to the original point, they need somebody who can speak truth into the into them without any other agenda or any other fear because yeah. you know you could have a second in command that sees something and says well this is my job so like i'm gonna have to just grin and bear it right and uh, just to have that honest sounding board voice i think is is so is so valuable as has been this time together here on business growth on purpose really appreciate it phil um question for our listeners uh, sake if somebody hearing this wanted to know more about your work maybe touch base with you and so on, where should they go to do so? 
Okay, the, the simplest thing to do is go to my website, which is philfraser.co.uk. Do not go to philfraser.com because philfraser.com is a, a medieval costume company. So if you land on a website and it looks like Robin Hood and all that sort of stuff, you're in the wrong place. It's okay. philfraser.co.uk. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there pretty much every day. Uh, happy to have a chat with anybody. Um, you know, first discussion with all clients is totally free, no obligation. Um, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, Phil Fraser, thank you so much for stopping by and uh, really appreciate talking about mentoring, coaching, and being a business sounding board. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.